0: Hello, I'm Nick Holland, Director of Banking and Payments with Information Security Media Group. It's been a long-held belief that the tech side of fintech will disintermediate incumbent banking and payments providers. There's a collective fear among bank executives that one day they'll wake up and the gaffer companies, that is Google, Amazon, Facebook and Apple, have decided to suddenly offer checking accounts, payments and other financial services. After all, their track record of disruption is extensive across many other legacy industries. However, recent news regarding the unsolicited exposure of 50 million Facebook credentials and widespread concern relating to lax user data policies may be an inflection point for FinTech. Today, I'm discussing the impact of the Facebook and Cambridge Analytica news, and what this means for the banking and payments industry with James Wester, Research Director of Global Payments at IDC. James, welcome. Thank you very much. So, let's get started. How does the Facebook Cambridge Analytica News affect the way in which consumers view Facebook and other gaffer companies as potential alternatives to banks?
1: Uh, that's a great question. And I think that this is the point where that conventional wisdom that you mentioned in the introduction, that these big technology companies, these ecosystem companies like Facebook and Amazon and Google, I think this is the point where the idea that they will disrupt banking becomes disrupted. And the reason for that is because we're now beginning to recognize just how much information, how much data we have placed into the care of these organizations. And I think financial information is in itself much, much, much more personal. Uh, It's not just about what we buy, but it's about where we're buying it, when we're buying it, who we're sending money to. And so that's very, very personal information. But I think the bigger problem is that where we have looked at these companies as being repositories for, you know, pictures of our families or, or, you know, our dogs or whatever. We're now beginning to realize, and I've seen this quote several times um, in in relation to a lot of these companies recently, that if you're not paying for a product, you are the product. I think the big issue here for consumers is that these companies are building products based upon that data and giving it away or selling it. And so the point at which you become the product, especially when it, when it revolves around something as personal as financial information i think that's a big deal and i think that consumers themselves are going to start pushing back on that idea and i think it really does hurt the idea of these companies becoming uh, as you said potential alternatives to, to to banks
0: so from a security standpoint are these companies prepared to deal with financial data or are indeed any data where the core business model is built around monetizing eyeballs via advertising you know, my initial thought here is no, they're just not.
1: I mean, the the idea of financial information and securing financial information and the complexity of that is one part of the discussion. And I don't know that they are really prepared to do that. The other part of the of me looks at this and says, Well, not only are they not prepared to secure the things they're supposed to secure, they are actually freely giving away or selling. That information that's what they are building their businesses around so to them securing it is going to be at that point it's not really securing it for the protection of the consumer it's about securing it so that their product doesn't get away from them that's a much different way of looking at things
0: so there are some serious questions also about how PSD 2 and notions of open banking will be affected by the incident could you share your thoughts on that subject Yeah, see, that's a great question, too,
1: as we start looking across the pond at the way Europeans start looking at open banking, PSD 2 Payment Services Directive number 2, EU's response to open banking, or the idea that you're now going to open up bank accounts and financial records to third parties so that transactions can be carried out, for instance, or bill payments or things like that. And it's leading to a lot of discussions about how do you open up financial services, so that it's not just about banks, it's not just about financial services providers, but third parties and and technology companies can come in and build you know, better, bigger, smarter ways of, of paying for things. And that's all really great when you think about it that way. What could be better than really intuitive, smart, um, user experience focused companies changing financial services? Well, that's great on one side, but on the other side then we now have, as we've seen, these financial companies, or sorry, these, these uh, social companies, my apologies, you know, giving away that information, not really understanding just what it means to secure data, just what it means to secure information. And so we're now going to be faced with, you know, on one side of, of the, the ocean, we have the Europeans really pushing towards third parties being involved in financial services and making payments. And we're seeing other regions like North America and Asia Pacific, we're seeing those regions really embrace open banking saying, say, oh, well, that's so smart. We don't need a regulatory push. We'll just start opening up financial institution records and, and access to accounts. And it puts a lot of the onus on protecting records on the consumer. One of the things we know about consumers is that consumers care about security. But they don't really like to think about security. You know, if you ask them, "Do you want your record secured?" Consumers are going to say, "Absolutely, we want our record secured." How are you going to go about doing that? Well, you know, the number one passcode on a on an iPhone is what 111, or you know, people use one relatively easy to remember password across multiple sites. So when you start putting all of the requirements, on the consumer to protect their own data, and yet they're also now sharing all of this data across social channels and and handing data over to to companies like uh, Facebook or Amazon or whatever, you realize there's this potential for a mess. And by a mess, I mean um, the exploitation of data. Uh, You don't have companies that are necessarily equipped for securing that information. You have consumers that don't really quite uh, do the best that they possibly could to protect their own data. And so I think what happens is, you know, again you have the, the potential for a very very serious mess and for um, Eventually bad guys understanding. Hey, look, we don't have to steal from one place We can go to lots of different places and build very very comprehensive profiles on individual consumers and that gives us access to You know, we as the bad guy have access to a lot of information and a lot of data and we can do a lot of bad things
0: And lastly James what can banks learn from this episode? Another great question, and I think that what banks really have
1: to gain here is, you know, banks are good at security. Banks are good at fraud mitigation. Banks are really good at risk mitigation. That's the core of financial services is risk mitigation, and that's what they're really good at. Uh, if you if you really think about what a payment is, it is two parts. It is identity is this person who is supposed to access this particular account and risk. Is anything bad going to happen during that clearing and settlement process that we need to mitigate? And that's what they do really, really well. So I think what banks can take from this is first, understand that consumers are not really um, aware or have not been really aware of all of the, the breadcrumbs they leave all over the social world and social network, and begin the process of changing that discussion on disruption back to what is it that banks do really, really well? Again, securing and identity, securing information, securing data. So steer it back that way. Use this as an opportunity to say, we are banks and this is what we do. This is a part of our DNA. Also, I think there are real product possibilities here. If banks are so good at identifying people and securing identity, why not begin to offer that as a service? In other words, use your bank as the place that you sign into multiple sites across uh, the web as opposed to, say, a single sign-on from a Facebook or a Twitter or a Google or something like that. So I think that banks can take from this that the idea that first they have a a place, um, that place within this digital economy, within digital financial services, is still there for them. And then two, expand beyond where they are right now and begin to exploit the fact that they are really good at security that they're really good at fraud mitigation and they're good at, at understanding risk
0: thank you James I've been speaking with James Wester research director of global payments at IDC for information security media group this is Nick Holland